This is a previously recorded episode. The show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. My name is Jeff Moss. Joining me as always in producing is Jessica. How are you doing? I'm good. How are y'all? Well, I'm all right. Uh, a few things have happened since our last show six, six days ago. We, it hasn't even been a full yeah. week because as I enjoy some Jack and Diet there. Much deserved. Yeah. Last uh, Tuesday, we couldn't do the show. Because the power was out here, so we did it Wednesday. So it's only been six days since uh, our last episode. And in that time, uh, Friday, my father passed away after uh, being diagnosed with cancer last July. And then on Saturday, less than about 20 hours after that occurred, Spiro, Justin, who is not here because I'm going to tell you why he's not here in a second, his wife, Lynn, gave birth to their first child, a daughter, Evelyn Athena Spiro, was born at 4.44 a.m. on March 5th. Uh, they're not out of the hospital yet. Um, I don't nothing serious. I hope, I mean, hopefully they'll go home tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But uh, Justin is still at uh, Beaumont with Lynn and their new baby, so... As I said yesterday on Ryan Schuling's show, uh, the circle of life. Yeah, what is it they say? Uh, when when a life is taken, one is given. Yeah, well, that was I guess that was the DSR podcast uh, version of that. Yeah. Neither of these events were unexpected. Obviously, I think Lynn was. I think we talked last Wednesday that Lynn was due any day. 
Yeah, she looked like she was ready to pop when I saw her months ago yeah. when she was in yeah. here. Yeah. Poor girl. She looked like she was about 10 months pregnant about a month ago. <laughs> and so so I'm sure she's relieved that uh, that is out of her body. And uh, yeah, and my dad, I, I, I think two weeks ago when Spiro wasn't here, mm-hmm. he was taking the bar exam. And I think you remember yeah. I was like miserable that day. Yeah. Um, and I, I said to you, you said like, what's wrong? And I, and I said, well, maybe one day I'll tell you what what was wrong that today, day. Today is that day. Yeah. So two weeks ago today was the day that I found out just about a half hour before the show. I was at Beaumont Royal mm-hmm. Oak with my dad, which is about, what, 10 minutes from, from the studio of that. Yeah. And I found out, well, we decided, my dad and myself and my sister, that uh, he was going to enter hospice like, wow, you know, a half hour before the show. So Jesus, he signed those papers. Man. A half hour before that show, so I came here and I don't even know how I even did that show. That's probably I why I didn't. That's probably why I didn't know that Anthony Ciotti's had a shitty phone connection when we were doing that interview with him about the, the well, Red Wings. Yeah, you had other things on your mind. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was like absolutely nauseous and I had a migraine headache. So if, if anyone wants to listen to me in uh, excruciating pain, go back and listen to episode nineteen. I guess that was. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to dwell on this too much. Anyone who's probably listening to the podcast has already read the website, and I had posted uh, the eulogy that I wrote but didn't give because I would have been a blabbering idiot and crying all over, and I didn't want to embarrass myself. So the the rabbi uh, read that for me on Sunday. And uh, the only thing I'd say is that uh, kind of crazy the uh, reaction that I posted that um, uh, eulogy and you know, was pretty honest, brutally honest about my relationship with my dad, which was for many years estranged. And then when he got diagnosed, we reconciled for good. But I've gotten about four or five emails from people in the last uh, two days uh-huh. uh, where they said that because of what I wrote, uh, they were going to contact their father. Oh, wow. Yeah, who uh, they hadn't talked to. One person who lives in California who reads the website even went as far as to say that uh, he's estranged from his father and he's thinking of moving back to town. Wow! And reconciling with his dad. So if anything uh, good comes out of this horrific nightmare that I've been living through yeah. the last uh, six seven months, it is nice that I've got some of those emails with people uh, saying that uh, that they might or they will try to make amends with a, a parent. And the other thing I wanted to mention... That's quick, good that, that you did that, and that actually inspired people to do that, because I don't think people realize just how limited life is until you're faced with that, and then right. you, know, you might have regrets after that. Yeah, and I put it off for a long time, and like I said on Schuling's show yesterday, that if I wouldn't have made up with him, and then one day he just had a heart attack or something... And, yeah. I never could have made up with him. I would have been suck, sucking on an exhaust pipe in my garage this yeah. week, and we would have had a second funeral. Uh, I don't know, dude. You're pretty tough. You're here doing the show. You were working. You were at the show yesterday, and you had a horrifically horrible weekend. Yeah. So, well, like a boss. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, just keep my mind on other things. But the, so, one last time, we'll mention that. Um, if you want to donate in my father's memory, uh, we posted on the website the Penn Medicine Abr- Abramson Cancer Center 
which uh, was featured on the Vice Cancer special last year on HBO, where they're doing some um, experimental research on how to cure cancer, and you might want to watch that program. It's pretty interesting. My father went through like 40 treatments of radiation. On his, oh, he had God. neck cancer, which was absolute torture, yeah. and a lot of chemo, and none of it worked, which is you know the same stuff that most people go through. And Hopefully one day there will be some alternative uh, treatments that actually work. God, I hope so. Instead of putting poison... And yeah. poison, and poison yeah. your body to kill. Well, I think poison. one of these experimentals is re, uh, things that they're doing is actually like injecting HIV or AIDS or something into people, but it supposedly is curing can- brain cancer. So, but then you get who AIDS. knows? No, you don't. Oh, you really? don't get AIDS. No, no, you don't wow. get AIDS. So, well, what? Yeah, I mean, you never know what's going to cure things. I mean, look at the, the polio vaccine. It just yeah. So we'll see. But that's about what I want to say on that topic. But I'd be remiss not to comment on it, and I think maybe Spiro is going to call in at some point during this probably abbreviated edition of the DSR podcast. I still have to vote. Haven't done that yet today. Have you? Have you voted? Or are you not going to nope. vote? I got my eyebrows waxed, so I'll vote <laughs> November. <laughs> so you, Priorities. So you, so you voted for uh, grooming. Yep. That was your vote. That was my vote. I can't think of anyone that I actually like, so it's well, really I actually, hard for me to vote. I, I still don't know who I'm going to vote for. I know who I like. Right. I like Bernie Sanders, but I'm thinking of voting for Trump. Right. Just to sabotage (laughs) the Republican Party and (laughs) let stick them with him. Because I guess in Michigan, uh, you can you can vote. All you have to do is declare when you get there. Mm -hmm. What party you want to vote for? So you can choose. Used to be, it used to be. I think when I was younger, you had to either be a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. You had to when you signed up for your Voter right. registration card. I think you had to tell them you, which three of the three. And then if you were a Republican, you could vote in that primary. But now it's just a crossover. You can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. So maybe I'll try to sabotage. Yeah, well, you know, why not? I mean, that one vote isn't – nobody's going to come – it's never going to come down to one vote. I'm just saying. It could. Yeah, it could. The chances, though, real slim. Yeah. But who knows? True. But the big story today – other than deaths and births and the uh, absolute bizarre election of a president. The circus the, yeah, that is this election. Yeah, the absolute <laughs> bizarre uh, reality freak show is the uh, retirement of Detroit Lions wide receiver Calvin Johnson. And I have some some comments on that. Not that it was a surprise – it's been rumored since just, I think, a couple weeks after the season that Johnson was contemplating hanging it up at the age of 30, basically the same age that the last Lions Hall of Fame superstar offensive talent Barry Sanders retired at. I actually got an email, I think, last September or October from someone who claimed to be friends with Johnson from Atlanta and Georgia, you know, obviously where uh, Kelvin played college football at Georgia Tech, that he was going to retire after the season, uh, that he was sick of the wear and tear on his body, 
and that he was ready to quit. And I tried to follow up on it, but never could confirm anything. But the person that it ended up being dead true it was 100% accurate, but I didn't never could substantiate it. So I never, never posted, which I kind of regret right now because that would have been looked beautiful if we had predicted that Calvin Johnson was going to retire like in October. Yeah, you could have been like, I was right, I was right, I was right, ha, ha, ha. Well, I never liked doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I don't even know where to start with the Calvin Johnson retirement. I, I've uh, become a – what is the opposite of a fan? I, I've just been rooting against the Lions organization ever since they called the cops on me a couple years back for posting a cartoon of William Clay Ford Sr. in a coffin. And that was like the last straw. When they called the police on they me. They called the police on you because yeah. you made a cartoon? So I didn't even make the cartoon. When it, yeah, it's a long wow. story. But okay. I posted, it was a picture, it was a picture inside like a Photoshop, but the coffin was a cartoon, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, they called the cops on me and I was kind of like done with them at that point. Mm. So I actually am not disappointed at all. That Calvin Johnson has retired. I want only bad things to happen to this franchise until the Fords, Martha Ford or Sheila Hamp Ford or whatever Ford is running this organization at the time being until they sell off to someone who can competently run this franchise. I mean how much torture and depression – can one fan base handle? This is incredible. I, you can't even, you can't probably come up with four or five guys in the history of the NFL who have retired either in the prime of their career or just on the periphery of their prime, like Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. The only other mega superstar that I can think of is Jim Brown. There's been other players who have quit uh, for health concerns or whatever because they just didn't want to take the uh, the beating any longer. Robert Smith uh, coming to mind right away. But an absolute Hall of Famer, one of the best ever at their position. This has now happened to the Lions twice in my lifetime. And by the way, as I told one of the Lions beat writers when they were offering my condolences to my for my father's loss the other day, I won't name the Lions beat writer because – they probably don't want to be associated with me. But I said, he said, he said, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. And I said, yep, a, another Lions fan who lived and died and never saw the team make the Super Bowl. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was my response, which my dad was a big Lions fan and he will never see. Although I don't think it's not, you know, I don't think I'll ever see them win one either. And I'm only 43. I'm 33 and I probably yeah, you're not never will, no, unfortunately. No, you'll never see it. What you will see is what has happened today, uh, misery. This is a franchise that, I mean, you just you, you can go down the line. They have now lost two of the best players they've ever had in their prime of their career, just walked away, something that's almost unprecedented. One playoff win in 58 seasons. The only original franchise left that's never been to a Super Bowl. They've had players die on the front lawn, mowing their lawn, getting hit by semis. They drafted a player who killed, I think, three people drunk driving. They had a player die of a heart attack on the field. Uh, 
you, you could go on and on. This God hates the lions. If there's God, if there's a God, yeah. I mean, it's a Greek tragedy. The the, the whole franchise is just an abortion of epic proportions, and it, it just got me thinking because if you go back to the draft when the Lions drafted Calvin Johnson years ago, the fans of the team were were not exactly on board with picking the man who would later become known as Megatron. If you remember, we had three first-round draft picks in a very short period of time that were wide receivers, and that strategy of Matt Millen did not work. There was Charles Rogers, Roy Williams, Mike Williams, and when the Lions drafted Calvin Johnson, with all of that spent uh, draft ammo spent on that position, which is a skill position, which really most teams don't build their franchise around wide receivers as the Lions were trying to do. So a lot of Lions fans were like, we don't want Calvin Johnson. We've been down this road, and we need we need anything, you know, an interior lineman, a defensive line, whatever. Whatever they wanted that wasn't Jamarcus Russell, who went right before Calvin Johnson in that draft. I had the other perspective on that and back then I was still rooting for this team and I was still foolish enough to think that they could uh, still entertain me my my point of view was look the Lions are never going to win anything they're never going to win a Super Bowl they'll probably never get to one they're incompetently run their owner at the time was Ford Sr. Fredo Uh, (laughs) and I figured look the only joy I've ever gotten out of this franchise basically was watching Barry Sanders play for a decade and, and watching a freak of nature do things that nobody else has ever done on a football field and probably will never do again. And I thought that Calvin Johnson was a sort of talent like Barry Sanders, more of a physical, imposing player, a guy who could run 4-3, who was built like a tight end. I said, and, I, and I said to myself, and we this was an argument that was played out in the old DSR forums, was draft Calvin Johnson – because at least we'll get entertainment value out of him. We're never going to win anyway, so why not take the guy who is going to give you unfettered joy by just watching him play? And we are sitting here, I don't know, eight years later, whatever, or nine years, ten years later, whatever it is, and that's exactly what played out. We watched a guy for, once again, another decade, or close to it, do amazing things on the field. In my mind, he wasn't the best wide receiver that ever played as Jerry Rice, no question about it. But there was no one ever more physically gifted than Calvin Johnson. He was a freak of nature. And you got to watch that guy play, I won't say 16 times a season because he suffered some injuries over the years. But that's what you got. And that's really all you can hope to get from the Lions is individual talent and enjoy that because this team is never going to win anything, in my opinion, with this uh, ownership group. And now I've been told today when I was kind of making fun of Lions fans, I think I tweeted something out. Um, I said, here's a hist- here's a um, the entire history of Lions playoff victories with Calvin Johnson on the uh, franchise. And then just dot, 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 because there weren't any. 
They have now way completely wasted the Hall of Fame careers of both Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, and they've got one solitary playoff victory to show for it. It's an absolute embarrassment. And for people to say to me today, have the nerve to write to me and say, it's not the same ownership. This is not the same group. Please, okay? Can we get to that for a second? The real reason that the Lions fired Martin Mayhew was because they wanted to get rid of Tom Luan. When Sheila Hamp Ford and her mother, Martha, took over this franchise basically after the death of William Clay Ford Sr. and and absconded the franchise under the nose of William Clay Ford Jr., who was supposed to be next in line, all they've really done is replace Bill Ford Jr.'s buddy, Tom Lewan Jr., his high school or his boyhood friend, with their own guy, which is Rod Wood. That's that's what they did. And they couldn't have just fired Lewan in the middle of the season and replaced him with their with their guru, with their pal, as a shot against the bow of Bill Ford Jr. So they had to get rid of Martin Mayhew also. So they got rid of the both of them. But I think the impetus for doing that was to replace Tom Lewan with Rod Wood. That was, that was really what the main objective was. Which would have been quite odd if halfway through the season you just fired Tom Lewan and didn't get rid of Martin Mayhew. And why do I think this? Because the head coach who was an incompetent boob, who at the, had, had, had the Lions at, what, 1-6 or 1-7 at the time, who should have been fired, and, and they should have promoted at that point uh, their defensive coordinator. They let him stay. And not only did they let him stay, when the new regime of Bob Quinn came in, they ridiculously kept Jim Caldwell, who was on the record as being Martha Ford's favorite son. You cannot convince me, and this uh, Spiro was listening, or if he called in, he'd be mocking me right now, saying he was right. You cannot convince me that Bob Quinn, who was the general, or excuse me, who worked for the New England Patriots, and witness firsthand the utter incompetence of Jim Caldwell when he was in at Indianapolis and has seen what this man has pulled off with the Lions. I mean, go back to the game last year, not this year, but the year, previous year in London against the Falcons. You go back to this this year, and, and you can go with you can you can discuss. The defense, the Hail Mary defense, his clock management, his timeout usage. <laughs> How lucky they got to win that home game against the Bears because John Fox outdumbed Jim Caldwell. When Jim Caldwell kicked a field goal with a couple minutes left in a game when he should have gone for a touchdown. And amazingly, because 
one NFL coach is dumber than the next. The Lions still won that game, even though Caldwell just made a completely moronic decision. You can just, just look at this guy's history. People are praising and fluffing Peyton Manning today on his, you know, today and yesterday, he retired yesterday. I, I would go as far as saying the national media is teabagging Peyton Manning. That's the only reason that Jim Caldwell is at any success at any level in football as a, as a head coach. That's it, Peyton Manning, one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the history of the league, who basically coached the Colts by himself, offensively anyway, when he was there. You cannot convince me that Bob Quinn was giving, given 100% autonomy over this franchise and decided to keep Jim Caldwell. It's the same old shit. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Nothing has changed with this organization, and if you're deluded enough to think it has, because some guy who runs the Detroit Lions uh, owners, the Ford family's finances, and another guy who I think uh, Hamp's husband who was the curator at Greenfield Village or something. This is the this is revenge from Sheila Hamp to Bill Ford Jr. for business decisions that have happened in Dearborn at the Glass House going over a, a period of years. Nothing has changed, and I, I'm sorry. Until I see Bob Quinn do something different than anyone else, I, I'm just not going to buy it. I'm, I'm not going to buy it until the Fords are, are gone. And why am I not going to buy it until the Fords are gone? Because we've got a history of seeing what happened today. Their second best offensive player in the history of the franchise, which goes back to, what, the 30s, just said, I've had enough and left. This doesn't happen to other franchises. This just does not happen. Peyton Manning, you want to talk about Peyton Manning for a second? This guy had a neck injury a few years back where I think he could have been paralyzed. He had surgery, desperately came back, played for the Broncos, won a Super Bowl where he completely relied on the defense, was terrible almost all season, got benched at one point. It might never even, if it wasn't for the struggles of their the, the guy who came in. He might never even gotten to play in the playoffs and win another Super Bowl. These other superstars, they do everything to extend their career. How many years did Jerry Rice play? I mean, Jerry Rice at the age of 30, which Calvin Johnson is now, is just getting started. But not the Lions. <laughs> It's just inexplicable to think that anything's going to be different unless you're proven with your with your own two eyes, and I and I and I will not believe it. I don't care how much money they have now because of his retirement plus other factors that they've got. They're flush with cash and with the salary cap. They might even have too much money. I don't. I don't even know if you could. 
spend all that cash. This might be like a Brewster's Million situation where they're just giving away money to uh, borderline free agents. We'll see how smart Bob Quinn is real soon because he's got a lot of rebuilding to do now. This franchise is a joke. In the last guffaw just came with the retirement of Calvin Johnson. I, I, I honestly don't know how this, this city still tolerates this joke of a team. And, and 60,000 plus filling up Ford Field for the eight home games. Just to be disappointed time and time again. And now it'll be interesting to see, as I take a sip of uh, my Jack and Diet to uh, try to alleviate the pain, (laughs) it'll be interesting to see how Matthew Stafford does for the first time in his career without one of probably the top five wide receivers that I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's not exactly like Matthew Stafford's been setting the world on fire with the benefit of having... Kelvin Johnson at his disposal. I I just anticipate seeing Matthew Stafford without a weapon like Kelvin Johnson next year. We'll see what Matthew Stafford's really all about. Because I'm sorry, Golden Tate's a very good receiver. But there's a lot of very good receivers in the NFL. And Golden Tate, for you know a decent amount of the time that he was in Detroit, other than the injuries, had the luxury of Kelvin Johnson protecting him, being the second option. He's not going to have that any longer. He's not going to have a six foot five, six foot six monster on the other side of the of, of the uh Offense being double teamed and schemed against on every single play. So just another travesty or whatever you want to call it for Lions fans. Like I said, you could go down the list. I didn't even list half of them. You want to talk about Wayne Fonz blaming his son for the cocaine that was found in his car when he got pulled over on a stop? And then, you know, when he was the defensive coordinator and then being hired as the head coach. <laughs> I mean, you can't even, you couldn't even, if you made, if you made a, a TV show about a professional football team and tried to pass off what's happened to this organization, at least during the 36 or 37 years that I've been cognizant of what's been going on, nobody would believe it. You've had coaches begging to be fired. You've had general managers who were accountants and uh, bean counters. Do you think I could be hired as manager? You couldn't I, do I any don't, worse. I really know nothing about you it. Couldn't so. do any worse than they've done. They've they've won <laughs> one playoff game in fifty eight years. Like an accountant, you could hire I... you could hire a squirrel to, <laughs> and, and just like. 
have like nuts out and say which one you pick, and that's what the move we're going to make. And they couldn't do worse than winning one playoff game in fifty eight years, and they're two transcendental tra- or tra- um, what am I trying to say? Transcendent talents that they've had that they've drafted. One with the third pick overall, one with the second pick overall. Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson to walk away from the sport at the age of thirty. Right at the well, age of thirty, he was he was pretty messed up though physically. Johnson, Calvin, yeah. I mean, I don't think any more than than a lot of guys. I well, mean, you can go through the history of the league of of people. And and I'm happy for Calvin Johnson. It's a fucking brutal sport. Yeah, and he can get walk the away, and he's and he, and, out of him. Yeah, and he's wealthy, and he never has to work and he another day. Invested wisely. Yeah, from I'm sure he's fine. He's not. He does not a spendthrift. He probably. I'm wants happy for to, him. You know, watch I don't, his kids grow up. Not you know. I don't think anyone should. Be, I don't think. I mean, if you want to go down to the brass tacks, I don't think anyone should be playing football. But we're screwed because he's gone. Right. I, so. I, I, I I think the whole sport should be abolished. I mean, if you really want to get down to it, I mean, I would there's no way if I had a kid. Yeah. And there, and I and my sister's got two 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 sons and uh she's not letting them play football. I, I would never right. let a kid play football. No. I wouldn't no way. There's no. no freaking way. So if you want to get down to it, I don't think anyone should be playing football. So I I, I don't I hold no grudge against uh Kelvin Johnson for walking away while he's pretty much intact. But now what will we do? <laughs> well, what we'll do is, I mean, they, they won zero playoff games with him. Right. In his whole entire career. The guy's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and they won a grand total of zero playoff games with him during that time. So what's the worst thing that can happen without him? That they'll win the same amount of playoff games that they did with him. It, it's just, that's the Lions. Yeah. That is the Lions. I go to one game every year, so that's not too hurtful to me. And, yeah, you know, last yeah. couple times they won. So hopefully this year they'll do that. If not, I'm probably not going to want to drop like 120 bucks on, you know, the ticket and the party bus. I might just take the party bus, go with everybody, tailgate, then go to the casino. Go to Bazooki Club or whatever. You have, yeah, you'll exactly. Have more fun. You'll have more fun. Go there. motorboat some chicks. Yeah, That'll exactly. be more entertaining. Yeah. And please call me so I can watch that because <laughs> I, need, I need to pick me up right now. All right, we're going to take a break. And the break songs today, I don't even know what we're going to talk about when we come back. I, I, I was hoping Spiro would call so you wouldn't have to listen to my uh, voice for – an hour straight ranting and raving. But uh, so for the break songs, I picked out some of my dad's favorite songs. So if you don't like them, uh, you can blame him. This is a previously recorded episode. All right, we're back on the DSR podcast. The first awful song was by a group called Stumpus Maximus, which was really Def Leppard. But for some reason, they did a cover version of Release Me by Engelbert Humperdinck. And I used to play that song at the end of every shift. I'm 89.3 WBLD when I was in high school. And my dad would listen to that song when because he'd pick me up. And for some reason, he liked that song. The song was terrible. It was, I, I was playing it as a joke. And for some reason, he uh, enjoyed it. I got a ticket text during the break. I will read that. It says, if the Lions spend big money on a replacement wide receiver, it will tell us everything we need to know about Bob Quinn. You don't need great receivers to win a title. Seattle didn't, New England didn't. Denver had one but couldn't even use them with their poor QB play. 
Tate is better than most Super Bowl winning receivers to begin with. Spend it on the defensive and offensive line. And the person who sent that text is on the line, I guess maybe to elaborate. His name is Justin Spiro. Welcome to the program. Hey, it's good to be back, at least in some form. Uh, you know, I, I caught the last 10 minutes before the break. You seem to be doing fine without me. I know it's tough to do a one-man show. Not everyone Colin Coward, but no. it's a uh, pretty big you to, to show up, and I wish I could have been there today. I really thought I would be, but had an extra day and a half here in the hospital, just getting uh, the baby girl up and running and hopefully discharged tonight, and I will be there next week. Uh, okay, first question. Does Evelyn own a Louis Vuitton purse yet? <laughs> no, no, uh, I don't. Not yet, anway. Uh, most of her stuff has been pretty much uh, the Target variety. Oh, okay. uh, no, Dol- no Dolce Gabbana onesies. No, she will not be a Kardashian kid. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I didn't think it'll be so. Relatively modest attire. You know, I want to touch on this Lions thing. You just read what I sent to you. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to escape from the room or not, but uh, I was. And I'll say this. You look at who has won the last few years, and again, I listed them off in that text. The Patriots, the Broncos, not even able to use the Marius Thomas. You know, the Seahawks, who Golden Tate had just left, and they never replaced them. It's, it's unbelievable to think that they're already looking at Marvin Jones and Travis Benjamin. Like this Marvin Jones thing, the guy's going to come in $8, 9000000 million a year. Yeah, it's not Calvin money. We have not been able to do anything, anything at all, with Calvin Johnson as your number one wide receiver, including with Golden Tate. You couldn't win a playoff game, couldn't even make the playoffs in the second year with that combo. So why would the strategy to be go after a worse version of that Zulo, a much worse version? It's just, look at what has succeeded in this league. There's not star chain of receivers on any of these Super Bowl teams. You look at... Dallas Cowboys, you know, with Des Bryant as a number one receiver, they haven't done jack shit. You know, the, with the year the Packers won, Donald Driver was a total creation of Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't know what they're thinking, if that's the case, that they're already talking to replacement wide receivers as they were Kettis reported. And I, I, I just, it, it blows my mind. This team never, ever learned. And, you know, I, I've had a shred of hope with Doc Quinn. You know, I've been a little bit optimistic, cautiously, very cautiously, perhaps, but slightly optimistic nonetheless. And here we are again. Nope, we got to replace Calvin, eight million to Marvin Jones. Well, you, you mentioned you mentioned New England as one of the examples of a team that really never gave big ticket, big dollar draft expenditure on wide receivers over the years, and that's obviously where I don't have to tell anyone listening to this show. Bob Quinn was up until he got hired as the GM of this team. And, I mean, the one great player they had was Randy Moss, and he was at the end of his career, and I think he was playing for, like, uh, peanuts. So this seems to me, I wouldn't care if they spend all $40 million on the defense and offensive line, if you could even spend that much. I don't even know if you could in one offseason. I would I would draft a receiver in the second round and ride or die with that. You know, maybe third round even, or sign somebody on the cheap. I wouldn't allocate any significant resources to that position. You look at even the teams that have lost the Super Bowl, that have made it and lost, Carolina with Jake alone, Carolina this year's version with Cam Newton. There are no receivers on, on the second team. They had Steve Smith in the first year, but Steve Smith is not noticeably better than Golden Tate. 
and they didn't have anybody as a secondary receiver. I mean, it's, Golden Tate is more than enough. Yeah, you need somebody to make a play, uh, you know, at that position. They have it in Golden Tate. You, there's, these Super Bowl teams don't have multiple B or better receivers. They just don't because they're not that important of a position. You see Gronk go down. The Patriots still win 12 games with or without him. I mean, I'm not to say that Gronkowski is not important, but the important position, obviously, is quarterback, and Stafford is your quarterback. I mean, we're not going to have that discussion today. No, I so know, Stafford's but here's the, the thing. They've, they've, this is the thing about Stafford. They've built around – they've tried to spoil him with riches for year after year. They draft Pettigrew with the first-round pick. They draft Ebron with the first-round pick. They make their priority in free agency to sign Golden Tate. They already had Calvin Johnson. They go in, they, they draft Javid Best. Then they, that doesn't work, so they go get Reggie Bush. That doesn't work, they draft Amir Abdullah. For years and years, they have tried to... I'm trying to think of the word. They tried to build around the offense because I don't think the previous regime thought Stafford, without all of these weapons, could do it. So now what you're suggesting and what I kind of agree with is very dangerous. You're going to have Matthew Stafford with a pared-down offense without these weapons. I mean, are you not terrified to see what Matthew Stafford's really like without having number 81 out there as his uh, blankie? Frankly, I don't care. Stafford's going into his, what, eighth year? We know we're not going to win with a loaded offensive weapons up and down the roster. And that's not a Detroit Lions phenomenon. No teams win. Look at the teams that have won the Super Bowl. So you might have the occasional exception here and there. But for the most part, it's good defense, really good pass rush, really good offensive line. You need a good offensive line to protect the quarterback, whomever it may be, and you have to be able to rush the passer. Even in defensive backs, to me, a nice luxury to have, but not essential. You have to get after the quarterback. The Lions' best team, it's probably my lifetime, was the team that lost to Dallas a couple of years ago, and that's because of their, their defense, and they really should have won that game. So I, I don't care if, oh, what, what, what's Stafford going to do with even worse weapons? Well, we've already seen him with elite weapon, uh, weaponry, and it hasn't made any difference. So I, I think there's a way to win in this league. You have to get after the quarterback and protect your own. And I'm tired of assets being spent. This is a million era philosophy. Now we've got to go spend eight, nine million dollars on Marvin Jones. No, thank you. Golden State was actually a good signing. He's like five, six million dollars a year. He goes in at number one. I mean, I actually have no problem with that signing, but you can't seven point one seven point one problem. It's just stupid. Yeah. Well, he is the one, two, three, four. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tate is the fifth highest paid player on the team, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know, but he's not. He's not. He's not a, a big, you know, ticket receiver, though. No, I mean, he's, no. Well, he's probably like a fortieth high paid receiver in the league. I mean, well, and the thing know. that you you missed it because I I think you probably missed it if you only heard the last ten minutes. And I I we re, I kind of rehashed the argument that we had back uh, when Calvin was drafted number two overall because on the forums you remember there was a real big fight about what they should do with that pick, and there was a lot of fatigue from some people on the forums and DSR contributors, about taking the wide receivers, Johnson, John, oh, excuse me, Rodgers, Williams, and Williams. And a lot of people didn't want to take Calvin number two. And I said, like, at least he'll be entertaining. They're never going to win. Yep, that was our line. I was right there with you. That, and I, I never bought Aaron Curry. There was a third piece, a third guy, too. I can't remember the third one was that people liked. Curry was the favorite, but, yeah, well, that, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, 
I, I had no problem with that. Calvin is a once or twice in a generation talent. So if you're talking about adding a guy like that, you know, you can at least look at it. It's seriously, but Marvin Jones, Travis Benjamin, I mean, get out of here with that. I'm so dumb. You know, the New York Giants, they didn't have any talent at wide receiver. Mario Manningham has been passed around like a hooker at a frat party since <laughs> that Super Bowl team. It, it, it's just, you don't, you don't need it. It's been proven again and again and again and again and again. You don't need even one good wide receiver to win the Super Bowl, let alone two. We have one. He's at a reasonable contract number. I'm done with it. I'm telling you right now, it'll be such a bad harbinger of things to come if this team allocates significant resources to, quote-unquote, replace Calvin Johnson. I think it's insane. Anything else you want to hit on before you have to get back to your uh, wife and newborn? Well, just like to express my condolences, obviously, I know it was a tough, tough weekend for you and just the, the worst shit ever. Um, I, I, it's, tough, it's tough to find anybody at this point that hasn't been hit by cancer and either they're close or poor friends or family. So it just, it just sucks. I think it's, it's good that you redirected the focus to a, what I think is a very good charitable endeavor. And, uh, you know, just, um, that I can be there to, uh, well, you had a good, ex- you had, ex- you tough, had a good so. excuse this time, not like, uh, Maddie's bat mitzvah. You had an excellent excuse for the death of my father. I'll give you, unless you're completely making up these pictures and you really, you know, Lynn really didn't have the baby, but I'm not that much of a conspiracy theorist, so I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, who showed up at the funeral? The D Rad, original DSR contributor, David Radner. That was a nice wow. surprise. It was uh, very interesting. Did he get into a fight about uh, the All Star game with Greg Schultz? <laughs> Greg, Greg was there and D-Rad was there, but nobody was like Greg did not have a bat in his hand, and there was never any threat of him taking a swing at Radner. That's a oh, old, that's, that's an old DSR TV reset that nobody is getting except for Bohenic if he still listens to the podcast. Well, we know Bohenic still listens to the podcast. So, is, so. Uh, is Taylor Phillips calling in? I want to make sure he gets his time. Uh, we're gonna. I don't know. We might have not time for Taylor uh, today. He might. He might get mad. Matt Damon. How about it uh, tonight? Because I'm gonna end the show. I got to vote. Did you vote? No. Good. Actually, I want it's you to vote. First, it's, it's for the first time I haven't voted in a long time. But uh, I just I wasn't. It's been. I'll tell you the story off the air. It's been. A, it's been a whirlwind at the hospital here. Are you a so I was and intending to vote today, yeah. but are you at Royal Oak? At least more than fifteen minutes. So. Are you at Royal Oak or Troy? Troy. Oh. All right. Well, good luck with everything over there. Hope uh, Lean and the the uh, baby can go home. Maybe with tomorrow. Maybe. Uh, we're hoping tonight. We're getting oh. results on a on a blood test here any minute. So uh, we're. It's like. The jury's uh, still in there deliberating. We'll find out. Oh, well, the best of luck, and uh, we will see you hopefully next Tuesday. As long as in the next seven days there's no other births or deaths or disasters, uh, hopefully it'll be a peaceful and calm week. And uh, that's, that's the plan. That's the plan. Good so luck with it. getting some sleep. Yep. Thank Congratulations you very much. Again. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. The, the last thing I want to talk about tonight, and then we're going to wrap this up early because uh, me doing the show by myself is just not uh, what I want to do. But I, I figured we'd come in and keep the continuity of every five to whenever we end it every week. But it, the, the uh, news that I read coming into today, coming to the show today, that Jimmy Howard is starting 
this evening against the Columbus Blue Jackets in what I, I wouldn't say it's a must-win game, but the Red Wings better start winning some games. They're only two points ahead of the Philadelphia Flyers in the standings. Uh, they're in danger of falling out of the second wild card, and really the second wild card really isn't any panacea anyway, considering they'd have to play uh, the Washington Capitals in the first round. And I don't care how well they played against the Capitals earlier in the season. In one game, I think, they, I mean, they, didn't, they won, but on Sergei Fedorov, Hall of Fame night where they that was a complete embarrassment. But I think Alex Ovechkin had 15 shots against Peter Mrazek that evening, and Mrazek stood on his head, and they won that game. They don't want any part of the Washington Capitals in the first round. They, they You're better off missing the playoffs probably than having that happen. So why Jimmy Howard is playing? I know Peter Mrazek has not been great lately, but we all know this team is only going as far as Mrazek can carry them and he needs to work out his kinks in that. Jimmy Howard starting tonight, just another bad move by Jeff Blashow, which has become an absolute, you know, a pattern over the last few weeks. I, I don't get it. I, I hope Jimmy Howard plays well because, A, they need, they need to win, and they're playing a garbage team, and, B, it would increase any value he has in the offseason when they have to trade him because they can't afford to pay goalies $9 million between Mrazek and, and Howard. But I don't get this at all. Peter Mrazek should be starting every game. I, I don't care about the recent slump. The last two games against the Chicago Blackhawks, they were in both games. I, I, they're, the Blackhawks outclassed them. They outclassed them before the trade deadline when they made about 17 moves to help the team, and they definitely do now. And you, to me, you're at the position where you've got to go with your best players, whether or not Mrazic's given up a couple of soft goals, which he hasn't really done in his whole entire career here. He should be playing tonight. He should play in every game except for maybe, well, not maybe, he probably shouldn't be playing back-to-backs the second night. But other than that, Peter Mrazek should be a net. This is ridiculous. And between the fact that they didn't make any moves at the deadline and now what they're doing, I, I get maybe the priority on making the playoffs just isn't there anymore. I don't know. They're not putting their best team out there. And it, it's aggravating. But that's not really anything different than the, for, you know, for the Wings over the last six or seven years. So we'll see what happens tonight. Um, the Tigers, I'm not, not, there's not much to talk about the Tigers, just check the box score and the recap every night to make sure everyone stays healthy. We're still a few weeks away from any game, these games mattering. Uh, I, I know that the uh, beat writers, Lynn Henning and Chris McCoskey, are panicking that Justin Upton struck out 8 out of 11 at bat. Who gives a fuck? You realize it's March 8th? Justin Upton can strike out the next 20 times at bat. I don't I don't care. As long as he doesn't get hurt. That's the only thing that matters in spring training, you morons. That nobody gets hurt. And for anyone to even comment or care that Justin Upton, a guy who's played, what, six or seven years in the league, he's, he's striking out at an alarming rate. 
during Grapefruit League action, and this is the story. I guess you got to report on something. But I, I, I couldn't give two shits about that. Let's see what happens in Miami when the season opens the uh, first week of April, which now that my father passed away, we were supposed to go to Florida a couple weeks ago, but uh, had to cancel our our trip uh, with one-day notice because my dad got rushed back to the hospital. Trying to make arrangements to get down to Miami for the Florida Derby, which is on the Saturday before the first game of the year, and I'd like to go see the Tigers against the Marlins, which would be on Tuesday. I would have to do the podcast from Miami on the phone, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Can we find no. a studio? Can we find a studio that could I could go to? <laughs> I could. Uh, no, you could just call from a landline. We could Skype you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Is there anything? Is there anything more anticlimactic than the first Tigers game of the year being in Miami at night? Like, yeah. that's a, that's like not even. It's so weird. A, they don't. They're not even in our league. They're in the National League. They're not. They're barely considered a franchise. They're mm-hmm. in Miami, which nobody. Do they even sell out opening night? <laughs> at that at that ridiculous ballpark. Although I I shouldn't say ridiculous. It does kind of look cool, and I would like to go there. I've I've gone to many Tiger opening day games in my life at Tiger Stadium and Comerica Park, uh, but never have I ever gone to an opening day in in a road um, stadium. So trying to work that out. But the plane tickets are just absolutely i guess it's like the it's like spring break for all the little punks oh really so i checked last night uh to see because we have like 500 hours in credit from delta mm-hmm. for you know because i sent the letter from beaumont saying what was going on and they gave us full credit for the tickets oh, but man. but uh the tickets are like 700 dollars a piece seriously like leaving at like seven in the morning and like is that bad. round trip yeah, like at ba- like at bad times too. Like not even like good. Like not even leaving at normal times. Like it's like they're both fucked up schedules. Uh-huh. It's like the cheapest is like six or seven hundred dollars before taxes and all that. Which who the hell knows what that is? So I'd like to get down to uh, what do they even call that place? Marlins Field. I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Stone Crab Field, Solid Gold Field. That's a strip club down. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, not that I would know. I've never been the to Miami. Boobie, so the, I don't know. You never been to Miami? No. Mm-mm. It's an interesting place. Let me say. Let me tell you. I didn't go spring breaking. Yeah, I grew up going down there every Christmas. So. Oh right on. So I enjoy that, and I was trying to parlay the Florida Derby with the, the Tigers' uh, first game, even though it's not the home opener. Obviously, the road opener down there, but. Unless plane tickets come down or my wife agrees to drive down there, which is a complete disaster driving to Miami. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure it's if that's like, going to happen. like, what, two days of your life go by? Yeah, because – well, when I, when I had to move Melissa back from Orlando after we broke up the first time and then she moved back home and then I had to bring her back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we, we went to visit my grandparents in Miami and then we drove back from there. So we went from Orlando to Miami and then drove back to Detroit. Uh, this – this woman, when we were getting, in, we were in North Carolina, who was heading back to like one of those, I think Camp Lejeune. She was mm-hmm. being sent off to Iraq the next day. Oh, she decided to fall asleep at the wheel. Oh, and was in the left lane and came over to the right lane and blindsided me and hit me. Did I did a two three sixties? I don't know what they call that a seven twenty, okay. and then ended up in an embankment. 
Wow. And I lucky I didn't bite it that day. But uh, so I'm not really a big. F- and we drove home from North Carolina to Detroit mm-hmm. with a driver's side door which wouldn't open. Nice. Because it was just completely fucked. And we looked like a bunch of hillbillies driving a Chrysler <laughs> Sebring that couldn't. And I had, I had to get to out of the car. Yeah. yeah, right. If you have to climb over the console to get out the passenger side door, you might be a redneck. Yeah. We looked like absolute idiots with our car, with our car packed full of shit that she was bringing back. But so uh, driving down there is not exactly a great option. But paying $700 a ticket uh, is not even part of any sort of equation. Yeah, that's crazy. Ridiculous. In the next couple of weeks. So. Oh, well, that was the show for this week. I uh, hope you tolerated it. <laughs> I'm not going to say you enjoyed it, but hope you tolerated it. Next week, hopefully, we'll be back to normal uh, with Spiro and myself in the studio. Uh, I think that's about it for this evening's show. We will see you next week, and I thank Jessica for coming in, as always, and producing the program. Thank you for coming in. And hopefully, uh, we'll have a much better week than we had last week. Take care. This is a previously recorded episode.